This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast. Presented by Open Sesame, taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on the Learning Unlocked podcast. You can find us on podcast platforms everywhere, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. My guest this episode is David Wentworth. David has been a research analyst in the human capital field since 2005, joining Brandon Hall Group in 2012 to concentrate on learning research. David's research focuses on how people learn and the role of emerging technologies. David is a busy speaker delivering keynotes, breakout sections, and participating on panels at events around the world. You can learn more about Brandon Hall Group at Brandon Hall. Com. David, thanks so much for joining me on the Learning Unlocked podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Brian. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Well, I'm really fascinated by your findings. I know that you and Brandon Hall have been doing lots of research, and we want to highlight some of your findings during this conversation. Let's start with uh, the need for more solutions powered by AI and machine learning. That's such a buzz topic these days. Tell us what your research finds. Yeah, well, we're finding that um, organizations are sort of coming around to the fact that they, this is uh, going to be a critical piece to the technology that they use moving forward. So they're saying that, you know, when as they look at new technology solutions, that's one of the things that they're looking for is, does this leverage, you know, AI, machine learning, and how? And I think that second part is actually the the more critical pivot that's happening, right? I think, just, you know, as these tools have crept into all of our daily lives, there's a better understanding of what they can and or should do. And so it's, we've moved from, um, you know, from a learning perspective, does this technology uh, have, you know, a machine learning um, component to it to what is it doing, right? What's, what challenges is it solving? So, so buyers are getting a little more uh, sophisticated with how they talk about it. It isn't so much enough to just say, yes, there is uh, AI in this thing. It has to be, well, what is it? How does it work? And there's a more sophistication, I think, now too, around what the actual differences are between something like machine learning and AI, which get used very interchangeably depending on who you're talking to. Uh, but for you know folks who who build this stuff, there's very unique differences between them. And you know, my sort of analogy as to what the difference is is um, machine learning is the the tools and technology taking in all of the data and variables that it can, interpreting that, finding patterns, and then presenting back to a person, right, saying here's what I've found, here's what I've noticed, do with that what you will. AI skips that step, right? It takes all that stuff, hmm. interprets all the data, and then does the thing for you. Um, and that's, I think, really the, 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 the sort of tipping point that where we're at from you know, organizations, especially platforms and technologies that have to deal with people, right? All of our human capital technologies. Um, are we at a place where we're okay with a platform or technology making a decision? You know, I think you'll find 
more people willing to get into an autonomous car and let a car drive for them than they <laughs> are to let somebody make an, a, 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 you know, a server make a, an HR decision. So I think that's the sort of interesting place and time we are with um, machine learning AI. But clearly it's, uh, you know, we've been hearing about big data for, you know, decades. What's the, that's the whole point of data, right? All, everything runs and works on data. So moving forward, tools that best leverage that data and make the most of it are what's going to be important. How will people become more comfortable with this type of learning? Is it just repetition and, and the more you do it, the more comfortable you come, you become, or is it, what's the threshold to try and get them more comfortable with this? So I think the, the comfort has to be on the side of the organization and the HR leaders, the learning leaders. That's where the discomfort is. The discomfort isn't on the learner side. Hmm. The learners want these experiences, whether they explicitly say it or not. These are the kinds of experiences they're accustomed to in their daily lives. If I am walking down the street in a, in a city and I ask my phone for a coffee shop, hopefully it's going to show me the closest one to me where I am right now, not a list of coffee shops that exist anywhere. And so basically the idea is that platform is taking everything it knows about me in real time and giving me the information that I need right now. And so learners not to be crass about them, but you know, and, and in this equation are the consumer, we should be giving them that kind of experience where, hey, this is what I'm doing. Here's the job I'm, uh, job I'm doing or want to do. Here's the path I want to go down. Are you giving me everything I need to do that? And uh, do, I ha do I get it without explicitly asking for it? Um, and so I, I think the comfort level comes in from the business side as companies start to recognize how effective and powerful these experiences are how well people respond to them, where you're going to get better learner engagement and adoption in the programs because people feel like, yes, this is what I want, what I need just for me, just in time, right? It's the what's in it for me. Uh, and then you're going to start to see the benefits of that, the outcomes that they get through learning more quickly because they're more engaged. They like it better. It sticks longer. They're actually doing the things that we hoped that they would do and they're doing them better, faster, stronger. So your consumers, your learners, they're already there. They're waiting for it. Uh, the comfort level has to come from from the other side of that coin. So how do you make the higher ups more comfortable with this? If the learners are waiting, do they need to hear from the learners and have the learners say, hey, look, this is how I want to learn. What gets the the bosses over the top on this? I mean, as with anything, it's results. And so the ability to, if you can pilot any kind of program that has a level of personalization or, mm -hmm. or something to it and show the difference and says, well, this group had it, you know, experienced it this way. And this group hasn't, you know, they had this other way. And here's the differences in the things that we were hoping would happen. It could be just that they finish it faster. They liked it. It could be simple metrics like that, or it could be more higher level metrics in that, no, you know, we had, we have the sales team and we decided we wanted to change their sales tactics. We switched to, I don't know, like the challenger method, some other method. The, the folks that went through this particular kind of training, the way we set it up, they're actually doing that and their results are better. And this group didn't and the results aren't, uh, you know, hopefully that's the outcome, but that, that's what the higher ups respond to is, is results. And I think also in the case of the kind of specific thing we're talking about, um, it also helps to sort of have science at your back. So you can shoot points to neuroscience and cognitive behavior science that shows, well, this is what makes things stick, right? If you want someone to remember something down the road and leverage that knowledge when they need it, it has to be presented in this way. Otherwise it's gone. Um, and so all that time, money, and energy you spent creating content and delivering it is wasted because people don't remember that stuff because it wasn't presented in a way that makes it real to them, 
makes it relevant to them. So I think combination of those things, but as with anything, you know, they, they want to know, um, does it work? And whether it's results in your own organization or looking at research like the kind that we do or others that, that show what other companies have done in the results that they're seeing by doing it. And there's plenty of those stories out there. Gamification is a way of learning that has become more engaging. Like you said, people tend to retain the information more and remember what they're learning. What are your findings and your research tell you in the way of where we're moving with gamification? Yeah, there's, there's um, it's in continually increasing um, as far as companies leveraging it. Um, you know, it's never going to be the biggest chunk of the learning experience. It's a it's pretty specific plays a pretty specific role, but I think we're finally getting over that hump of uh, a game being like a four letter word and being seen as frivolous and, you know, it's just a time waster and engagement for engagement's sake, which maybe in the past it's been used that way. But the reality is using it correctly can be, yes, engaging, but it's actually driving um, outcomes. And I think what's important for companies as they start to think about games and gamification as a, uh, an option is to to see the two paths. There's two, right? There's games and there's gamification. There are and there are two things. A game is literally what it is, a game that you are playing. Those can be seen as engaging, but they're the ones that also get very seen as frivolous quickly because if they're not specific to the content, if they're not driven by some sort of outcome that you're after, then it just seems like a superfluous uh, experience, not helpful. They can be designed very well to deliver specific kinds of behavior and skills. In fact, you know, you look to the, the consumer gaming world, you look at like something even like a Call of Duty where you've got people from all over the world working together towards a goal. Mm -hmm. As they go towards that goal, maybe sometimes they fail and they have to start a little bit further back than that. But then they learn from the mistake that they made where they failed, get better at overcoming. That's how we want people to be learning and collaborating within the organization. So there's a lot of learning that can go on within a well-designed game. The other side of that point is the gamification piece, which is basically taking the learning that people are sort of already doing or that you've already created and layering these elements of gamification in there that says, well, if you do these certain things, you get these sort of points or this kind of recognition. We have leaderboards, um, badges. There's a million things you can do that sort of try to incentivize the right things for the right people. And these work, we see it, our whole lives are gamified. Everything we do has some sort of element to that. If you have points at a grocery store or at a gas station, that's gamification. Right. I mean, you know, everything that we interact with, there's some sort of incentive element in it. And so it's just using that in a learning environment to tap into these intrinsic and extrinsic motivators that learners may have. The challenge is to never make those um, motivators bigger than the outcome itself, right? The thing that you want to happen from the learning, whatever behavior skill, whatever it is, you can't make the reward bigger or more important than that because then that becomes the focus. And that's all that people are after. Ultimately, you want people to still be doing, you know, the thing that you're after, but all you're really trying to do is tie it all together, give them sort of a narrative so that they can make sense uh, of, of the learning journey in a different way. But more and more, and obviously technology just continues to get better every day. So games are playing a much bigger role uh, in the learning experience than they used to, for sure. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. 
Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. The average attention span, eight seconds. Oh, so we're I, I, well, yeah, yeah, no, but I'm interested in micro learning because mm. people's attention spans are getting shorter. Um, they're not going to sit and watch an hour long video. You've got to engage them from the moment they sit down to learn. Where is micro learning heading? Because it seems like you know, a lot of the teachings and the the learning and development, it's getting briefer and, and more concise. Would that be accurate? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's um, got to be a sweet spot somewhere. There's always a, a sort of point of diminishing returns. Uh, if we get, you know, start thinking too small, it has to be done with a purpose. It isn't just taking learning and chunking it up into little tiny things and saying, here, it's now it's only this long, right? That's not the, really what you're after. What you're after is can I get somebody what they need when they need it? And can I make it fit in seamlessly into what they're doing? Right. So I can, without feeling obtrusive or obtrusive or intrusive, I, I feel like I have, I've gotten them what they need. And of course, size is a part of that. When you think of micro learning, it can't be too long. It can't be um, too complex if we're trying to drop those in. Micro learning works best as a component of a sort of larger learning journey, right? So you're able to drop in what you need, where you need it. And, um, but you write about, you know, the attention span, we think about creating a video. If, if people are able to watch their favorite serialized TV program, that's maybe only a, would be traditionally 30 minutes long, but now they don't have commercials. So it's 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're getting in that 22 minutes? And if you're asking someone to sit through 30 minutes of your learning video, are they getting what they're going to get from, from that? So you're asking an awful lot of time with people. And that's really what you have to think about is, look, how much time can I ask of somebody when nobody really has much of it at all anymore? So how do I fit what I want to get to them in these little spaces in a way that makes the most sense for them? They can uh, access it when and where they need to. But yeah, micro learning is going to play. I mean, I don't know if you remember Vine. I don't find that long yeah, ago. Yeah, sure. Feels like a few decades ago, but it's not. But the idea of a six-second video and that uh, you could have an entire story be told, beginning, middle, end, uh, laughs, tears, the whole thing in six seconds. So the idea is, what concept are you trying to get across? What's, what are the key elements? And do I need to address them all in this one thing? You know, can I address them one at a time and stitch them together? Can they be done in different or, a different order um, so that it's not always the same thing? But the more that we can try to get learning to feel as though it's just always right there. Um, it's not some sort of separate um, experience from my job. Instead, it's this thing that's always there when I need it. The, that's always the, the best outcome. And that microlearning is going to help you fill in all those little empty spaces that do exist. David, what are some of the tools that are available for enabling practice and automated feedback as people learn new skills? Mm-hmm. This is a big space right now it is because, again, it's a, it's a convergence of a lot of things. And the fact that we are all basically, most people are carrying HD cameras in their pockets. Mm-hmm. 
there's a lot, a lot of opportunity to leverage that. And so a lot of the skills that we're trying to build with people, um, you know, companies are very focused on building these, what used to be only leadership development skills, right? But now everybody should be starting to think about the critical thinking, design thinking, DNI related uh, skill sets. These kinds of skills um, aren't the kind of thing that you just take a class and then a test and then poof, you're a critical thinker, right? It's, you need to try to apply these things and you don't necessarily want people that try to apply them uh, on the job right away, right? In a real life situation. So, okay, what's, what's that middle ground between they've never heard of this before and they're applying it in their job. The middle ground is I have to be able to practice this somehow. And a lot of these skills, the way you practice them is talking, right? Whether it's sales uh, techniques, uh, it's difficult conversations, uh, you know, how to have this one-on-one and you've had role plays in the past and that's a great way to do that. Not exactly scalable, right? You now you're talking about two people's time that you have to generate. So you're seeing a lot of tools now that allow people to, uh, film themselves practicing. And these tools are very, uh, varied. They have a lot of different, um, ins and outs to them. So you could do it in a way where take as many chances, it tries as you want, keep doing it over and over again. Cause that's what you want to do is practice. And each time you can get actual automated feedback that says, you said, um, too many times, mm. uh, or it turns out for this particular skill, you should have, or this, you know, whatever this is, you should have talked about these two things. You never mentioned them once, uh, or you talked about this too much. There's tools out there that can do that, that can transcribe what you're saying, look for elements, and then give you that quick, immediate feedback that you might need. Then you get to a level where I'm happy with this. It's time for a manager or a supervisor, someone to weigh in. Now that manager or supervisor can watch something without having to be bogged down in the minutia of you did this, you didn't do that. Now they're focused on the really important parts and they can help you. And so those interactions become much more meaningful. And the best part is too, all of these practice things, all of it is, um, it's now available, right? It's searchable. You can, if someone does really well, that is now learning content, right? Here's an example of somebody doing it really well. And now that becomes content and you can watch that. So there's a lot of opportunity uh, in front of us for people to be able to practice, whether it's shooting film on a, on a phone inside of a VR headset, that whole experience can be uh, monitored and given automatic, automatic feedback. A lot of different opportunities there. I think it's an interesting space to watch for sure. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard, and having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. There's an increasing openness to partnering to outsource some aspects of L&D. This hasn't always been the case. What are you seeing there? Yeah, I think, you know, you go back for the last three years and everything we've been through and, um, you know, it was in the pandemic and you see headcounts have suffered and budgets shrunk or frozen at the very at best. Um, and but at the same time, during this, uh, L&D has been tasked with so much from the business, right? The business has relied so heavily on L&D to upskill, reskill the, the workforce to make up for these challenging times and people have to move and do different things. And so we've always, most L&D professionals will tell you, they've always run at a do more with less mentality, right? That's just always been the, the way. 
but I've never seen it as acute as it is right now with the less being so less and the more being so much more. Mm. And so there is this openness that says, hey, I probably can't do this all with what's right in front of me. What, what help is there? And I think the opportunity is that there's more partners out there that are not simply just going to say, well, just, you know, just uh, outsource it. It's more of, well, we can partner with you. And it's more of a staff augmentation that says, oh, we've got this big prog program coming up. We can help you build the content if you don't have that skill set in-house, or we can help you with the strategy. Organizations are, are becoming uh, more likely to let go of some of these things. There's always been a hesitancy to cede control uh, over a lot of these things. But given the situation that they're in, um, they're like, you know what, we need help with this skill set that we don't have, or we don't have time for this. And so there's definitely an openness um, to look outward for help and from everything from, like I said, content development to full on turnkey here, you take over the whole thing. And we're just going to be like learning leaders in the organization and strategize um, and everything in between. Before I let you go, are there any L&D trends that we should be paying attention to for 2023 that we haven't already discussed during this conversation? Um, yeah, I mean, we touched on some of the, the key ones. I think, you know, a key thing to, to focus on, and it, it's not that it's new, but I just, it, it's this, uh, I mentioned data earlier. Um, L&D really has to step up its game from a, a data and analytics standpoint. I think the big trend there is a welcoming of getting that skill set within the L&D team, if not at least within the organization that you can use it, you know, have access to it, but having skills for data analysis, if not data science, it's just so critical to everything we do. Literally everything is being driven by data and the amount of data that we're generating is never going to get smaller. And so having people that can at least ask and answer questions that are answerable by data and, and meaningful things, not just, uh, you know, 98% of my learners finished this program, right? I mean, that's important, but all by itself, it's nothing. So can, am I able to ask questions and then be able to find the data that's going to help me answer those questions? So finding, either finding people who have those skills, building those skills on the team, and then finding tools that the skilled people you have can leverage, right? So you have, so if, if you've got people who only have a very limited data analysis skill set, don't hand them the, you know, the premier workhorse right. data <laughs> tool. You got to give them what's going to make the most sense. So, so matching your technology with your skill set to make sure that we're doing, um, making the most of the data we're generating. I, it's uh, not a sexy uh, skill for the future, but it's, boy, it's getting more and more critical every year. Last question for you. If I'm at a company and I'm trying to convince my leadership that we need to spend more resources on L&D, what's the best argument? Uh, the best argument is, um, is results. It's talking to, you know, business leaders should say, well, okay, what is it that you as a business leader, what are you trying to do for 2023? What do you hope to accomplish? And hopefully they've got a business plan. They've got, a, they've got it laid out that says, we need my part of the business, whatever it is, needs to do this, 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 and this. And they say, okay, what are the things that are going to get you there? Because that's what L&D is for. L&D is for, you, you can only tell people at the beginning of the year, I need my business to do these things. I, I, we need these numbers to go up. We need to be better at this. You can only tell them that. If you don't give them the tools to do those things, it won't happen. And that's what learning is. We have to stop talking about learning uh, as a transactional uh, experience 
and getting people through in completion race. It's if you want that thing to happen, we are the ones that are going to get people there, right? Um, and, and that's being able to have those kind of discussions. You have to be able to talk their language. It isn't just coming in and saying, uh, I can show you this, this report that says why we're important. It's you have to be able to um, speak the language and be able to translate the things that the business leaders want into the things that learning can deliver. David Wentworth with the Brandon Hall Group. Find more about them online at brandonhall.com. David, thanks so much for joining me on the Learning Unlock podcast. This was fascinating and I hope our audience learned a lot from you as well. Yeah, great, Brian. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.